Hi, Nick Petrella here. This episode is sponsored by Volkwein's Music, a full-service shop that's been meeting the musical needs of musicians for over 135 years. They offer a huge selection of instruments, accessories, music, and more. They also have an unmatched instrument repair department with some of the most experienced technicians in the business. For years, they've serviced my personal and school instruments, and their attention to detail is why I and professional musicians from around the globe trust Volkwein's to service their gear. Head over to volkweinsmusic.com to see what they can do for you. That's V-O-L-K-W-E-I-N-S music.com. Helping people discover music since 1888. Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, making art work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hi, everyone. Today we're speaking with Andres Salguero. Andres and his wife, Christina, are the Latin Grammy-winning duo 123 Andres. They've performed all over North and South America, and their works have received a Parents' Choice Gold Award and a notable children's recording designation by the American Library Association. So here's part one of our interview with Andres and Christina. Andres, thanks for joining us. Thank you for the invitation, Nick and Andy, and hello to all of the listeners. So to begin, please tell us about yourself and your path to success as an arts entrepreneur. Wow, thank you, thank you. And you know what, as an entrepreneur, I guess uh, you don't want to jinx it. You don't want to say success. <laughs> success is in the future. <laughs> and, but thank you. Thank you for, for that. Uh, my name is Andres Salguero. I was born in Bogota, Colombia. And I grew up in a musical family of amateurs, music uh, lovers. So I started singing with my mom and started playing guitar with my dad. From there, I continued studying music, and I did my undergraduate studies in Colombia. And at the same time, I also started writing music, writing original songs. So those were those would be the, the two forces that would, mm. you know, force forge my my path forward. And so I came to the United States, and I did a, a master's degree, and then a doctorate of music at UMKC. And during that time, while I was doing my doctorate, I, during that whole time, I continued writing my own songs, learning about recording, about production. And it was a slow process that I started uh, little by little performing for children. And it was, it was like a beautiful growth that eventually took over not only of, of my personal life, but also my wife and partner in, in business, Christina, who is the other half of, of this duo. And now after 10 years, this is what we do full time where we employ uh, 
you know, contractors in the United States, all over the, uh, Latin America. We, you know, we just, we're kind of living the dream. And, and again, I don't want to say it because <laughs> success remains to, it's, it's an everyday uh, measurement, I say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so where did the concept for educational content for the whole family stem from? And, and how did you get started? Um, you said you did some children's concerts and those sort of sorts of things. But when did you really start focusing on creating that educational content for families? Great question. And it always, it always comes with a strike of, of luck of, of, or of chance. Mm. You know, uh, as a student on the doctorate program, I was geared towards education, but education of undergraduate students, right, of college students. And then at the same time, uh, I continued writing and performing, and the strike of luck came when uh, a friend here in Kansas City, his name is Dino Odell, uh, somebody, somebody recommended me, somebody introduced me to him to be part of his band, who did, and that band did children's music and did educational music and shows for children and families. So I had all of the components mm -hmm. ready. Let's say, you know, I had the music, I had the passion for storytelling through my songs. I had everything else, but it, it took that uh, strike of, of luck again of meeting somebody who opened the doors and showed me a universe that little by little again it was it was something something gradual i started seeing like wow this is this is bigger than what i expected and then and then i realized this was my call and this was my business model mm -hmm. right so the two were aligned and that's why you know we 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 love what we do and that's why we we work nonstop <laughs> So when did 123 Andres uh, officially form? Great, great point. Uh, Ten years ago, and it's beautiful because uh, today, you know, I am receiving an award by UMKC, and this would have happened probably in the same room where everything started. And it is at White Recital Hall in the Conservatory of Music. And this was ten years ago a little bit over 10 years ago, there was an, an initiative of the, com, uh, of the Community School of Music and Dance of the UMKC Conservatory. <laughs> it's a long name. So the Community School, right, they had this initiative of doing a children concert series. And I was involved as a teacher, as an educator of, of school-age children, and they offered me the opportunity, uh, hey, do you want to put together a show? And that's, that was the first time that I said, okay, I'm going to do, I have, I'm going to write songs. I'm going to sit down and write ori original songs and I'm going to start this project. It wasn't called one, two, three, Andres at that point, but that was the, the moment. And, and I'm going to get emotional here because when I tell this, it was incredible because I went home. And, and, you know, based on experiences, I wrote the first song for this project, Hola Amigo, and without knowing that 10 years later, it would become our first book published nationally by Scholastic 
one of the biggest publishing houses in the world. So you see, you know, it was all of these coincidences and all of these beautiful people and connections that have opened doors in our life. The opportunity that UMKC gave me to do this children's show. My friend who, my friend Dino Odell, Kevin Dolan here in Kansas City that I, that I love and I, I will be forever thankful who opened the world of children's music to us. And now 10 years later, we have this business that we only not only do music, but also books. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great story. I was going to ask about, about the calling, but you just summed that up perfectly. Um, well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Um, so you said your wife and partner, Christina, is the other uh, half of the duo with 123 un- Andres. Uh, at what point did she join your forces in uh, creating this content uh, and doing these concerts? And what were those early conversations like about being partners in this business? From day one, it's very interesting. It's uh, We met here in Kansas City, and and she really completed this this partnership because she received training as a teacher and at that moment uh, she had recently worked as a elementary elementary school teacher in Philadelphia as part of the Teach for America program she was a, a fellow and she got a master's degree in education from uh, Philly from the University of of, of Penn UPenn and and then from day one, she was right there in Whitehall in October of uh, 2008, I believe. She was right there. And the first, her first job was taking pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so we, and from taking pictures, 10 years later, she now is the, actually the, the lead singer, I would say, because, you know, when you do music for children, you, it's, better, it's better if you sing it with a with a with a high voice, you know, a, a female voice, so mm. the children can immediately follow along and sing. So we've come to realize that it's better if she sings more often than I do because it's like ready for the classroom and for families to sing. So now, so it started. It was a, a gradual uh, again growth, and it was kind of a surprise for her as well. You know, she also. Uh, found this kind of like a, a strike of luck. I love that phrase. And she also found that so many components of her own preparation, she went to Brown University and she did Latin American studies. So she was connected with, uh, you know, a, a cultural identity, uh, the, the immigrant experience in the United States, uh, supporting dual language learning since she was born in the USA and she went through that experience of learning two languages. So for her, it also became uh, a life passion. And it hasn't been easy, you know, working with your partner uh, full time. Uh, <laughs> but we're here and very, very happy to continue doing it. I assume when you started, you were doing every aspect of the venture, creating content, marketing, booking, etc. What were the most difficult activities in the early days and have those changed over the years? And I should mention for the listeners that we have Christina here as well. So it would be fun to have her answer this as, as well. 
Thank you. I think um, from the very beginning, um, we see the value of bringing in people who can bring in other ideas, um, who, whether it's um, another musician to record the bass, because, you know, we could do it, but somebody else who's really an expert, um, a subject matter expert in that um, is going to do it better, or a videographer, or um, someone to help us chart our uh, social media strategy or someone who understands, you know, YouTube analytics better than we do. Um, So, you know, from the very beginning, it's always really valuable um, to bring in people who know more than you do, um, but we're always very hands-on. And, you know, even when we've worked with publicists and managers and agents and um, had those incredible experiences, you know, we, I think that, as entrepreneurs, you know, you should remain in the driver's seat. You should remain knowledgeable about all of the moving parts and um, make sure that you, you know, have ownership of of where you and your brand and your project are going. So for, for many years, my wife and I used to play in a duo. And uh, when you work with your spouse and perform with your spouse, it adds another dynamic. I think some things are easier. Maybe some things are more difficult. What was it like working with a spouse as you as you began your journey, well, I think uh, you know, listening to each other, um, respecting each other's work rhythms and work cycles. You know, one thing about working with your spouse is that you. Um, are always together. You know, it, you don't have to wait until Monday to send an email to a colleague. Um, you, we can ask <laughs> each other right now at any moment. And, but sometimes, you know, somebody's in a different mental space, um, and they're focused on something else or they just need to chill. And so, you know, understanding and being sensitive to each other's work cycles and rhythms, um, giving each other uh, space to run with an idea, but also, you know, communicate and, and stay together and in sync. What do you think? I think doing a business with your, with your partner, either, uh, you make it or, or, or break it, you know, (laughs) because I mean, it's a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of tension and, you know, and we, and there was no physical separation because, you know, we were on tour basically like nonstop for three years in a row. So, traveling, uh, performing, you know, trying to improve, responding to emails, decision-making, making mistakes together. But, you know, sometimes those mistakes are on one side or the other, you know, but those are mistakes of the business, right? So, oh, it's a lot of learning and, and <laughs> it's a day by day. You need to go day by day. But it's sure. a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Was there a point when you realized, uh, wait a second, I think we really have something here with one, two, three Andreas. This could really work. I think there's lots of uh, points where you have that. And, um, you know, it's never one day that you wake up, but lots of um, accumulation of of confirmation that the universe sends you uh, that this is the path that we're going on. What are a couple moments that you can think of, Andres? Uh for a while, I was teaching lessons while doing this, and there was one moment where I said, okay, no more uh, teaching, and now we're going to do this fully, right? I am going to devote myself completely to one, two, three, Andres, and luckily, I had the support of Christina, who had a full-time job, had benefits, so, you know, it was an easier decision, but a couple of years later, 
a couple of years later, we were approached by a national, you know, huge company to put together a big show for a couple of cities. And at that moment, Christina was still doing a full-time job. And at that moment, we said, and you know what? And this is what happened. It was in Texas. It was going to happen in Texas. And we're talking like, you know, big production. And the hurricane came through Houston. So it was postponed, like, you know, until six months or one year. I don't remember. And that was like, okay, now we have six months to prepare even more. So are we going to do this together? Are we going to take the leap? So, you know, that's where it, when it's scary and you hear all these stories of entrepreneurs, you know, saying no to your 401k, to your benefits and taking the leap. And, you know, I don't know, like six years later, uh, how, how do you feel? No, I'm super happy that we took that leap. Um, you know, we're all in it, and that drives our, our decisions every day. We um, can stay nimble and make make decisions quickly. And, um, you know, with the pandemic and all of the things that, big or, or small, um, that, you know, new decision moments come up. And, and it's tough because you don't know if you're doing the right thing. But, um, you know, we do the best we can. We get advice from people who are more expert in this or that than we are, and we keep going forward full steam ahead. So for the listeners, uh, I guess if you could help us understand what you mean by a big production, was it a 750 or 1500-seat auditorium? Was it a 20,000-seat arena? That, that, is a, that is a good point. Uh, it was a traveling fair, uh, and this was with Target, so, you know, that's what I mean by a big company. Mm-hmm. And, and they were doing the release of some uh, projects around, you know, a, a couple of cities. So it was like a national tour, and we were going to be part of a, a couple of, of dates. So it was a huge festival, and we were going to be on, the, on their main stage. So it, was, it wasn't like an arena type, but it was like a festival type, but we were going to be like emceeing, fronting this huge event, so it was like owning a, a big stage, the two of us. Uh, what, what, what else comes to your mind? It was a full day event. So it was an, several hours um, on stage. And just that expectation of, um, you know, a, a different level of professionalism um, that, you know, we wanted to rise up and meet that, meet that level. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. And more importantly, it was a big stage that you owned that you don't have to move. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and we, yeah, exactly. You know, but but it was beautiful. It was it was a great experience. Yeah. So one two three Andres is a much different venture than most classically trained clarinetists would pursue. How have your studies informed your path as an arts entrepreneur? That is a great question because it's it's two sided, and I think for a while, and this this here I'm talking to all of the classically trained musicians. Uh, there's a good and, and bad of, of the system that they were trained. Uh, and one of it is how we rank arts and music in different levels. And as, society, as a society, we kind of had agreed that, uh, you know, academic or classical music, you know, has more higher pedigree or, you know, it has a higher status or something. So for me, I had this mental uh, struggle for a little bit 
because, you know, I could be Dr. Salguero. And that sounds really good. You know, hey, you know, I love your students calling you, hey, Dr. Salguero, I, w I would be doctor. And I would have these tattoos and, you know, playing the opera or, you know. And, but then, but now I, I decided and I, and I knew that my impact and, 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 and here's one thing where, where it was clear to me. Uh, there are thousands of clarinet players who can, you know, compete because really it's so competitive. I mean, classical music is like, you know, athletes, right? So, so who can compete at my level and higher, thousands, right? But in the United States, there are only, I mean, you can count with both hands the people who can do what we do at the level that we do it. And the communities that we're serving, there are not many people like us. There are not many role models uh, like us telling them, be bilingual. You can be here. You can be on that stage. You can be whoever you want. So for me, that's when, when I had to face that uh, contrast between mm -hmm. those two, you know, high-level art And, and, you know, like popular art or popular song and say, no, 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 and give the value for that. So it's, it's so great that, that now, you know, UMKC, you know, validates that and recognize that, you know, what I did is as valid as the, the alumni who are playing at the symphony or who are teaching college. And, and we just need to tell that to our students because the, the world... It's not the same that, than what it used to be. I think, you're, I think you're spot on. I think that's a great story. And I agree with you. Art is art. And I think a lot of conservatories, music schools, art schools, they're, they're going to be re-examining what and how they produce students. Yeah. This is the end of part one of our interview with Andres and Christina. We hope you'll join us next week for part two. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists, the arts, and this podcast. Music.